It's the e-commerce master plan podcast here to help you grow your e-commerce business faster and more efficiently by cutting through the hype to bring you inspiration and guidance from the e-commerce sector and beyond. Here's your host, Chloe Thomas. Hello, Master Plan World. Welcome to our latest podcast. It's an absolute pleasure to have you all out there listening. I'm Chloe Thomas, the creator of the e-commerce Master Plan. I'm an author, speaker and advisor, and I focus on solving your e-commerce marketing problems. If you've got an e-commerce problem you'd like my help solving, then head over to ecommercemasterplan.com and click on Work with Chloe, where you'll find all the details of how to get in contact with me about it. And I aim to get back to you within one working day. We're diving straight in today, so I'm going to get straight on with introducing you to today's special guest. Christina Smith is the Global Digital Marketing Director at Keen Footwear, where she's responsible for all direct response marketing and marketplace marketing activity, including the target to double the active email list in the next two years. Keen are a designer, manufacturer, wholesaler and retailer of performance footwear. Established in 2003, they've already donated more than $15 million to non-profit organisations and causes around the world. Hello, Christina. Hi, Chloe. How are you doing today? I'm doing good and I'm, I'm resisting the urge to say $15 million because that's all that's going through my head right now. Um, so if- we say it around here all the time. All right. <laughs> It's just too tempting. Um, right. I've given our listeners uh, like a super quick overview of you and um, and Keen, but how did you yourself get started off in e-commerce? Yeah, great question. I'm happy to share. So, you know, like any digital marketing geek, I got my start in digital as a tax consultant. Wow. And I'm completely, I'm, I'm, I'm somewhat joking. Um, but at the same time, I'm not. All kidding aside, I fell into it just like everyone else did. My undergraduate degree is actually in accounting, and yes, I did spend almost seven years as a tax consultant um, before deciding to go back to school to get my MBA where I focused on marketing. Now, mind you, this was over 10 years ago, and so the interwebs and this funny little thing at the time called Amazon still seemed a bit like a flash in the pan. Um, Clearly, I'm not the greatest predictor of, of trends in this world. But you know, at the time, I really just fell into it. Um, after grad school, I moved to Seattle, Washington, because it just seemed like a really fun place to be. And certainly from a, a technology and employment-based perspective, there were just so many opportunities. And so I stumbled into an SEO role at Amazon in 2007 when, to tell the truth, I didn't even know what SEO was. I knew what search engines were, and I knew what optimization was, but certainly putting the three letters together, I had no idea. And I think the good news is, in 2007, no one did really. And I just, like a lot of people, just figured it out from there. And so over, over the past you know, 11 years, as my roles have changed within companies, or as I've changed companies and my roles have changed with wider remit, I've just added you know SEM and then play and then affiliates and social and then email. Over time, I just collected all of these other pieces of, you know, digital marketing capability to form this complete digital marketing. Well, I say complete. There's probably something new out there that I you know, still have yet to touch. Um, Isn't there always, though? <laughs> oh, my word. Every day I learn something new in this space. Um, and so, I, I, you know, I do actually lean heavily on my accounting background on any, on any day, you know, just like most digital marketers. There's not a day that I'm not in Excel. There's not a day I'm not in a pivot chart. Um, and so certainly I, 
I'm one of the few people who can say that I use my college degree, albeit to a, a different you know means to an end than what I certainly would have ever thought. <laughs> I'm I'm in that bag with you. I have to say, I did history at uni, and um, and the skills that taught me for taking a load of really complicated stuff and making sense of it every day, <laughs> day in day out. So, so you've had all this kind of wide ranging experience. Um, mm-hmm. Before we kind of talk about Keen a bit more, do you have a favourite yeah. marketing method? Oh, you know, so I got my start in digital marketing and SEO. And while that is certainly near and dear to my heart, I'm not a patient person. <laughs> so knowing that sometimes, you know, trialing something in SEO means doing it and then waiting three or four months, it doesn't mm-hmm. fit very well with my personality. So my, my personal favorite um, channel, if you will, is search. I just love the cause and effect that you can see in paid search. I love the data. I love, I'm a nosy person, so I love knowing what people search for online, <laughs> what ad they click on, what they do once they get on our website. So paid search for me is probably my one true love in digital marketing. Yeah, I, I have to say I, I get exactly where you're coming from. For me, it's always a, it was a tie up between Google AdWords or, um, or email because they, they're, mm, both just, they're yeah. ju- both just full of stats, you know, and you can, yeah. you can make things happen quickly. Yeah. But, Absolutely. Okay, so let, let's talk about Keen a bit before we get further in, into sure. into your marketing uh, marketing experience. Um, where in the world are you, and where do you sell to? <laughs> sure. So I'm physically located in Portland, Oregon, in the U.S., which serves as our U.S. and our global headquarters. Um, Keen also have offices in Toronto for Kent for our Canadian business, in Rotterdam for our European business. And Tokyo serving um, the APAC region, um, and so in many ways we are we are a global company, both in terms of our wholesale retail side of the business and certainly the the dot com side of business. Cool, and um, and obviously we said the, the product are shoes, but they're not just performance shoes, are they? They're quite specialist. They are, yes. There's, I would say, three key areas that we sell in. Um, obviously, the, the, you know, our, our foundation started 15 years ago with a product called the Newport, which is what we effectively now call an outdoor sandal. So imagine wanting to be able to go on a hike, but your flip-flops, your thongs really aren't quite going to cut it. And so that's where some of our outdoor sandal products have come in handy. Um, and then you know, pivoting from there over the years, we've become quite formidable in the hiking boot space. And then and certainly, you know, as a, as a natural tangent from that over the past several years now, we've also delved into the work boot space. Um, you know, and I think the key component for all of these shoes, in addition to the durability that they represent for each of these you know, product lines, is we're actually very well known for the comfortable comfort of our shoes, which sounds kind of silly, but in the instance of work food, if you're going to be standing on your feet for 15 hours a day, you need to know that your feet are going to be happy the entire time you're doing that. Cool. And um, I think we, we may well talk, talk a bit more about that later, but um, I just want to get yeah. the, get ourselves through those, those little tick boxes for the listeners. I'm assuming you're selling on some kind of bespoke platform rather than a Shopify or a Magento. Would I be right or am I way wider the mark on that one? You, you would have been right if you, if you would have asked me this question about a year ago. Oh. Um, but over the past couple of years and just finishing about six months ago, we've officially transitioned to be a Salesforce Commerce Cloud platform. 
So after almost three years of effort, as of mm, March of this year, all of our domestic and international websites have been migrated to the same platform, which is nothing short of a miraculous achievement, as you can possibly imagine. (laughs) And has that made life somewhat easier? Oh, my word, considerably. It's, you know, it's given us a, you know, a unified view of our website and even a unified view of our customer in a way that we did not have before. So there's certainly still a learning curve. This platform is a radical transformation or a radical departure from what we were previously using. So it's certainly not been all sunshine and roses, but certainly, you know, the end, the end goal is getting everyone on the same platform so that whether you're sitting in Portland or in Rotterdam, or in Toronto or Tokyo, the conversation we're having about the platform is the exact same conversation across all colleagues now. And I find it interesting there, you're, you're, you're kind of dwelling on the human side of it, which I think people often forget when oh. they're talking about platform changes. So would you mm-hmm. say it's, it's kind of the biggest part of the project was the people, the front end or the back end? I would personally, I, well, I'm, I'm definitely showing my hand and it tells you how I gravitate towards how I do business, but I would absolutely say it was the people. Um, you know, I think for this type of change and transparently this started prior to my arrival at Keen Footwear, but I've been here for the last, you know, the last half of it. Um, getting everyone bought in both the senior, all the way from the senior leadership level, certainly down to the most junior member of the team. It was critical to the success of this implementation. This is a radical departure from day-to-day business. That concept of change management, if you will, Mm -hmm. couldn't be more prevalent than it was with a project like this. And so making sure that everyone was on the same page and marching in the same direction the entire time, sharing both the successes and the struggles along the way was absolutely critical. And I think the the leadership team and everyone involved in this project over the, the multitude of years did an outstanding job in that respect. Very cool. Okay. Um, so um, in terms of team, um, let's, let's, uh-huh. let's try and keep it to your kind of e-commerce marketing side before we try and, you know, structure sure. chart the entire business. Um, what, <laughs> what, is it, what does it look like? What are you doing, doing in-house? What are you outsourcing? How are you dividing it up amongst the countries? Yeah. That, ooh, that's a great question. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to keep my commentary to the digital marketing side. Perfect. because I think if I start to dip e-commerce side, it does become a bit more complicated. Um, but on the digital marketing side, we're a combination of, of everything that you just asked in terms <laughs> of in-house, outsourced, all of the above. Um, within the U.S., um, I, you know, though I am the director of digital marketing at the moment, I also function as paid media manager, which would cover search, social, display, shopping, um, affiliates and the Amazon market marketplace and other third-party marketplace marketing activities for that matter. Um, obviously, I personally can't manage all of this myself and execute on all of this, so I absolutely heavily rely on external agency partners um, to help execute on the day-to-day and genuinely act as an extension of the team. You know, I, I talk with these folks regularly. We're on email, on Slack. And, you know, I work with these, with these teams in such a way that they should be able to walk into the office at any point in time and feel just like they're a part of, a part of the company. Um, in addition to these agencies in that role, I do have um, individuals working in-house um, for email on our email marketing team and our and SEO. And so that's all within the U.S. Um, internationally, we have um, 
but well, I should say we also are responsible for Canada out of the U.S. as well. Mm-hmm. And then internationally, there's an individual in our Rotterdam office and an individual in our Tokyo office who kind of cover all of the basics. We're in a bit of transition there, to be perfectly honest, and we're trying to, to start relying even more heavily on agency partners in these offices as well. So we're in a bit of transition in, the, in those regions at the moment. Very cool. And um, oh, this is a cheeky question, so feel free to say you can't, you're not going to answer it. Um, but sure. is the reason you've gone for agencies because finding the right people for in-house is a nightmare or is it more because it gives you the ability to change strategy quicker? That, that is a great question. Certainly speaking from where I physically sit here in Portland. And so I think if you asked me this question in Seattle or in San Francisco or in London, it would be a different answer. But certainly here in Portland, a large part of the reason we go with agency um, um, partners is because we do struggle to find um, the right people here in mm-hmm. market. Um, it's, you know, Portland is definitely an evolving city in terms of that technology landscape, but it's still not as robust of a digital marketer's market as it needs to be to find the right talent, at least within, you know, a six month time frame. So for ease of life at the moment and for scale, we, we have opted to go external with agencies. That's a great question, though. Cool. Not cheeky at all. <laughs> well, you know, I just I didn't want to want to force you into answering it if it, if you felt yeah. it was cheeky. I thought I thought I'd just put that out there. Um, oh, I okay, it's so, a fair question. Yeah. So I mentioned that we might I might ask you another question about product, and it's coming up right now. Sure. Which is it's clear okay. when you talk about the product that it's very much focused on the human who's going to be wearing it. You know that that humanity yeah. aspect is in there, and clearly, mm-hmm. from what I said in the intro, and the huge amounts of money that Keen are giving to good causes, I'm I'm sensing that Keen is a pretty values based business. And how how does that make life easier for you as a digital marketer? Um, yes, it is a hundred percent values based company, and I think the easiest way to answer that question is is to put it into these terms. This, this is me talking. This is how my brain operates. Um, so I am professionally motivated by making a lot of money for companies. I really love doing that. Like mm-hmm. That's what gets me up in the morning and gets me really excited about my job, and particularly in digital marketing. It's you know, the, the profound impact you can have on the revenue of a company. Well, given what you said earlier about how much money we've donated so far, and that's just for the very well-known public aspects of what we've done, there's probably you know double or treble that that we've done that we just don't really talk about very often. Mm-hmm. And so I know that in my day-to-day, for every other dollar that I'm, for every dollar that I make for this company, once we strip away you know employee salaries, marketing costs, and product costs, et cetera, et cetera, most of that money is going back into some form of doing good out in the public. So for me personally, that that's actually quite motivating. You know, I've actually we have an internal team called the Keen Effect team who are responsible for that charitable function that the company has. Um, and you know, the, my philosophy and the conversations we have with them, especially when we talk about everything they want to do, and they just don't have enough resource. And so my response is then, well, then I guess we just need to go sell more shoes. <laughs> Indeed, just go sell more shoes and we'll make the world a better place. I love it. Exactly. 
one foot at a time, Chloe. <laughs> <laughs> that is brilliant. One foot at a time. Brilliant. Um, so what do you think, because uh, we've spoken quite a bit about Keen now, what do you think is the most awesome thing <laughs> about Keen right now? Ooh, that's a great question. Um, it's certainly what pulled me to the role and to the industry um, initially a year ago. You know, I think um, if you if you take a step back from Keen for a moment, and I'll, I'll dig back in, but if you take a step back and look at the entire outdoor apparel e-commerce space, I think it's a bit a bit bipolar right now. To be honest with you, just to be really honest, mm-hmm. the general outdoor industry has really lagged behind other retail verticals in the online space over the past decade. Um, however, and so you think, you know, with that being said, that you know, things would be kind of dire. On the flip side, however, the overall growth of the apparel footwear industry in the e-commerce space relative to the general online retail space, they're outpacing. Uh, certainly never mind, you know, what's happening in the brick and mortar space in this industry as well as in a lot of industries. So the fact that there's this, larger-than-life growth taking place from an industry that has lagged behind tells me that things are rapidly changing and companies are quickly starting to catch up. And so if you're the type of personality that likes that aggressive growth, you know, building from scratch, you know, kind of pivoting rather frequently to try to just catch up to the next thing, it's a great industry to be in right now. And I think Keen are very much in the center of that statement aggressive growth, pivoted rapidly, pivoting rapidly, rapidly, just doing this amazing work to just try to not only catch up, that sounds really kind of dire when I say that, and I certainly don't mean that, but, you know, just doing what you can to capitalize on that growth trajectory. And whether that's, you know, changing your technology and infrastructure investments, you know, looking at um, your marketing investments, potentially changing your organizational structure. I think this is a lot of what's happening both at Keen and in market right now, broadly speaking. And for me personally, you know, I definitely believe that change is good. I think that's one of the things that caused me to gravitate towards digital marketing to begin with is knowing that, you know, the world as we know it today, to your point earlier, and the world as we know it today in digital marketing in three months, it's going to be completely different. And there will be a new tool or a new product or a new channel or a new, you know, whatever out there to get people excited um, and, and will potentially cause rapid change in the market. So that's really why I find this such a fascinating space to be in right now. Wow, your your passion just bleeds through, I have to say. <laughs> uh, picking yeah. up on, on something you just said there um, about the things things that are changing, and the things that are new. Now, you have a bigger marketing budget than the great majority of our listeners, which means you get to try out a lot more things than we do um, and a lot mm-hmm. sooner. So are there any kind of up and coming things that you're willing to kind of tip us off about? Ooh, you know, I, I am probably in some ways, though I try to be an early adopter, I'm probably perceived to be a Luddite by more people <laughs> than I care to, care to acknowledge. Um, something that's definitely, there's, there's, well, I'll talk about two things mm-hmm. um, that have both kind of suddenly started popping, at least as it relates to me. Transparently, this may be old hat to many people, but at least I find that suddenly this seems to be the things that are hitting me up. Um, in terms of you know LinkedIn inbox phone calls conversations with colleagues, number one is native display. I'm starting to definitely see more and more um, companies pop up in this space in a way that I don't remember seeing a couple of years ago. And it seems like at the moment the quality of the ad units in this space, though it's still not 
great is certainly a heck of a lot better than it was a year ago. So that's something I'm personally paying attention to. It's nothing we actively work on here at King at the moment, because I do still think the quality is a little lacking. But I think at the pace of evolution, there's going to be, um, you know, in barely a year's time, I think that's going to be an interesting channel to go play in. And that's thing one. Just before we go on to number two, for those of our listeners who are going, what's native? Could you quickly explain the nuts and bolts of it please sure well i will i will do the best i can um and probably will put you it along the way um imagine if you're on a website um like you know the guardian or your local newspaper's website you will likely see something on a page that's like recommended content or promoted story um and it looks like it's just part of that particular you know website um, and it's, it would be native, if you will. Uh, and really, it's advertising. And it's, it's a display ad, but it just looks like it's of that particular website, which is the native part of it. I don't know if that explains it very well. I thought, I thought that's, that's a brilliant explanation, actually. One of the best okay. I've heard. Wow. So, um, cool. So, what's number two? And so, the second thing that that's become very interesting to me. And again, this may be something that everyone else has been doing for years now. And and my little brain has just now caught on to this. But it's this concept of forming strategic partnerships with, you know, kind of like-minded companies out in ether, whether it's a company that sells a complementary product or just, you know, it's of that same kind of, in our case, lifestyle, values-led brand, where we agree to join join forces create a common um, sweepstakes or giveaway package of our product, and then agree to email our individual um, email list to get people to sign up to win the prize. And what ultimately happens is our customer list that signs up, we share with this strategic partner and vice versa. And the hope is that there's little overlap between the two email lists. So with just a little bit of effort of creating an email of kludging together a prize package and of working with an external third party where you have a mutual interest, you might very quickly be able to add, you know, a few thousand people to your house file overnight. And what I think has interest has surprised me with this is it does seem like in the span of about two months this year, I was probably contacted by about a half a dozen different companies in various states of this type of concept. And so it seems, I don't know if, this has just become the thing, or like I said, this has actually been going on for years, but it's, it's suddenly on my radar. And so it's really forced us to take a step back and go, well, if there are companies that do this very thing, what about the partners we just have that we work with on a regular basis to begin with? Mm-hmm. You know, whether that's an affiliate partner or a brand partner that we've done other brand activations with over the years. And so basically, any third-party partner that we work with now At some point, I have had or will have that conversation of, would you be interested in partnering with us on 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 a giveaway in which we, you know, ultimately share our email list with each other? So it's been, you know, while the goal for growing our email database size is certainly daunting at the beginning of this year, we're starting to get some real traction behind this idea. And particularly what's helpful is it's a very lather, rinse, repeat program. Mm -hmm. And so once we've kind of, nailed down the details, it's just a matter of creating a list of people we'd like to work with and starting an outreach. 
because yeah, I mean, we're literally just just so the the listeners are clear. What we're talking about here is you and a another company put together a competition that people enter by giving their email address, and when they enter their email address, they're signing up to both your email list. Simple as that. You got it. That is that simple. Yes, and way more succinct than what I just said. No, no, but you gave the you gave the the detail and the interest to it. But it's just I like you know you got to get down. Sometimes sometimes the the listeners like it to go go down to kind of the brass tacks, and I I, I think it's I, it amazes me how few people do this because it's something which we talked about back when I first got into e-commerce in like two thousand and three, two thousand and four, and the only people we yep. could ever do it with were um, like magazines where they wanted a prize and we got the email addresses in return for offering up the prize. And it's just, it just, it just kind of boggles belief that finally, (laughs) you know, 15 years later, it's, (laughs) it's actually something which people have got the time to do. And I just, I I think it's a genius, genius thing. And it's it's great to hear you saying that more people are doing it because it's something I'd like, I'd definitely like to see more people doing I don't want to say it seems like a slam dunk, but, you know, certainly if you're approaching it in the right way and certainly choosing your partner selectively, right? Like mm-hmm. we wouldn't go out and, and select a product that is 180 degrees away from our brand and our ethos. That just simply wouldn't work. It wouldn't work for us. It wouldn't work for that partner. So I think that's the key component to your point about the magazine. You have to choose the partners in which you know that your customer bases would be very similar that it feels like there is true value. Because at the end of the day, I don't just want the email address, right? I want the person. I want the email address of the person who's going to stay and become a fan of our product and buy from us many times over the years. So I can hit that goal of email addresses if I want, but that's not it. That's not really the goal. If that makes sense. Uh, that makes perfect sense. Okay, after that great top tip, I think it's time for the top tips round. And I love this section because it gives me and our listeners some really quick ideas for taking our businesses to the next level. So, Christina, first up, the book top tip. If everyone listening to this podcast agreed to take Friday off and read a book to make their business better, which book would you recommend? (laughs) So... I love this question. When when I first thought about this, there was it, this immediately. This answer immediately came to mind. So there was no hesitation in my answering this question. I highly recommend a book by a gentleman called Atul Gawande, and I am probably butchering his name, and I apologize. But the name of the book is called The Checklist Manifesto. Um, this book came out about ten years ago, and I think it's possibly even more relevant today than it was ten years ago. Um, the book is somewhat focused on and from the point of view of the medical field, um, I told him one day is a medical, a medical doctor, but the basics of the book, the fund, the foundation of the book, which is how a simple checklist can take uncertainty and error out of a day-to-day routine, I think is particularly relevant for any digital marketer to understand. You know, at the end of the day, the, uh, the goals in digital marketing are very operational very fraught with human error, very hands-on, even with all the technology that's involved. And I think anything we can do to improve our output, or you know, our, improve our output, um, is a win in this space. Um, and it's it's fascinating that I, you know, this is the book that I thought about immediately. I don't know if anyone's been paying attention in the news in the past couple of weeks, but on a semi-related note, um, Gwande was just tapped by the Amazon, Warren Buffett, J.P. Morgan Chase Alliance to lead their healthcare company. So this guy definitely has chops 
in the business world as well. <laughs> yeah, um, just a little. I, I think it's an incredibly relevant read now more than potentially you know ever before. Excellent. Okay, next up then, the traffic top tip. Which marketing method do you either prize above all others or think doesn't get the press it deserves? Uh, I'm going to give possibly the most boring and most basic answer you've ever received. But I also think we often overlook boring and basic in this space because we do so often are trying to chase that new shiny thing that's come out. So I try very hard to think about the basics all the time. Um, I genuinely believe that there is a place for brand fitting in paid search um, if you get it right. And certainly there are a lot of companies out there that don't get it right. But if you can get it right, I absolutely believe that brand term bidding has a place in your in your marketing portfolio. And there are a couple of reasons why I believe this. Um, certainly, number one, if you're in a competitive space, like many of us are, if you're a wholesaler, if you're selling something that a lot of companies are selling, selling you certainly need to make sure that you own your brand presence at every opportunity. Um, and I think that's you know, possibly the, the number one reason. But I think there's you know, a couple of other reasons as well. You know, heaven forbid your, your SEO rankings aren't ranking you know, number one on your own term, which is probably a different problem. But even if your SEO rankings are fine, you know, there's still there's still bits and bobs in the ad unit in SEM that SEO just doesn't have. So it can easily accompany and complement your SEO results on a brand search term as well. And then for me, the third reason, and it's all on a similar, a similar vein, but you know, there's been tons of studies out there that show that when you have a, a result for um, paid search and SEO showing on the SERP at the same time, the cumulative CTR on those ad units is higher than if it was just an SEM ad or just an SEO ad. So to me, getting your brand bidding sorted is not only good for paid search, broadly speaking, but it's good for SEO as well. So I'll stop there. I'll get off my soapbox and stop there. No, I love it. It's a soapbox. I When I used to run a Google AdWords agency, it's a soapbox I frequently got on and God, it's difficult. <laughs> the non-believers just don't get it. And it's so frustrating because yeah. you're like, you're just giving away money here. This is ridiculous. Mm. Anyway, indeed, um, indeed. before we both soapbox, we'll go on to the next the next <laughs> top tip, which is the tool top tip. Maybe a collaboration tool, a social media plugin, a phone app, or just a way of working. Is there a cool little tool you use that makes you and your team more efficient from day to day? Yeah, well, I will. I will certainly say I don't know if I would call this a cool little tool as much as the bane of my existence. But at the same time, <laughs> I've come to be heavily reliant on it, and that's a tool called Slack which is really just an internal you know, chat tool. There's nothing super special about it, but the functionality is pretty fantastic. Um, and it's, it's for me personally, you know, I like being able to sit in a meeting, you know, if I'm being really honest, especially if I'm only having to listen with half an ear, um, but also have, ultimately then have a Slack conversation with another colleague that may be in a completely different part of the building um, in an effort to multitask, because just like everyone, you know, I've got 20 hours worth of work to do in a 10-hour 10, 10 day, and I've got to get it done somehow. Now, the flip side of it is I can sit in a meeting where I genuinely do need to pay attention and can be getting pinged <laughs> with questions, which is the main of my existence part of it. So it's a tool you definitely have to use, I would say, appropriately. But if you can get it right, it's a fantastic productivity tool, I find. Excellent. I think it's it's now becoming the most recommended tool in this section of the show. Um, 
So, and the, the crazy thing is it's recommended by businesses of your size right down to people working on their own with a handful of freelancers. And that yeah, that's amazing, absolutely. I think. Um, yeah. Shows, shows it's, a, it's a pretty good one. Uh, okay, the growth top tip. If you met someone today who's focused on growing their e-commerce business from 100 orders per month to 1,000, what would be your number one tip for them? Right. Um, I'm going to apologize because I'm going to get back on my soapbox for just a moment. <laughs> um, and you can tell that my, my accounting roots are going to come through in this answer. But I absolutely believe you cannot manage what you cannot measure. And whether it's a hundred orders a month or a million orders a month, you absolutely have to get your reporting and analytics nailed from the very beginning. And I, I weep when I talk with companies or have worked for companies or just talk with friends and you can tell they have no idea what's going on with their business. They don't know, they don't understand the cause and effect of their performance marketing, um, their supply chain might be completely out of whack. You know, it could be anything. And what becomes clear from the very beginning is they never got their reporting and analytics nailed from the very beginning. Now, not to say that as a company grows, their, their needs in this space don't grow and, and can't change. That's perfectly fine. But I think if, if you don't understand from the very beginning what's actually driving the success of your business, how are you going to replicate it and grow your business? Sorry, I'll get off my soapbox again. No, it's another good soapbox. And I have to say, I do I do die inside a little every time I get given access to a Google Analytics ca- account for an e-commerce oh. business that doesn't have e-commerce tracking set up. <laughs> well, you can't yeah. see when an order, whether anything ever drove an order. I just die a little no, inside. I completely agree, Chloe. Completely agree. I think we're of one mind here. Um, okay. <laughs> Master Plan World, you can find the top tips and links to everything else we've been chatting about in today's episode by heading over to ecommercemasterplan.com forward slash podcast, where you'll see a link to this show. Christina, before we say goodbye, could you just let the listeners know where they can find you and Keen on the web and social media, please? Yeah, absolutely. Keenfootwear.com if you're in the US. And if you're not in the U.S., you can still go to keenfootwear.com and the site will automatically redirect or you can select your country and language of choice from an icon in the top right of the homepage. Very cool. And I can tell you're very proud of the fact it will redirect because I know how difficult that can be to set up. <laughs> okay, I'll add links to that and everything else we talked about in the show notes. Masterplan World, you can find those at ecommercemasterplan.com forward slash podcast or head to the website, click on the podcast tab or use the search box. Christina, it's been an utter pleasure chatting with you today. So thank you for being on here and for sharing so many great tips. It's been it's been an absolute pleasure. Likewise, Chloe, thank you very much for your time as well. Wowzers, um, so many bits and pieces in there. Uh, and what I love about that is, yes, um, Christina works for a huge business, a business that's clearly doing multi-million pound turnovers, um, if it's able to give that much money to charity. And yet every single one of her pieces of advice and top marketing tips are something which even the smallest business, even the smallest business of you listening, if you've even been go- if you've only been going for a week or so, you can still get your brand bidding sorted on Google AdWords. You can still make sure your Google AdWords tracking is working. You can still sort out some email partnerships. 
none of that is beyond the realms of what we can all do. And, you know, that's what she's doing day in, day out to help hit aggressive sales targets in that business. So absolutely brilliant to get some some great advice from one of the larger businesses out there. That's something which we can all also put into play. Now, the e-commerce master plan virtual summit 2018 is now open for enrollment. This year, the focus is all about marketing. We've got sessions on Google AdWords, email marketing, Facebook ads, influencer marketing, and much more. All things that you can put in place in your business to grow your sales and grow your traffic. To find out all about it and get yourself signed up because it is free, um, you can head over to ecommercemasterplan.com forward slash summit. And if you've got any questions or comments sparked by this episode, then join in our chat in the Facebook group that you will find at ecommercemasterplan.com forward slash Facebook. Have a great week. Keep optimizing. Thank you for listening to the e-commerce master plan podcast. Find out more at ecommercemasterplan.com.